Hello and welcome to worship at Community Baptist Church. Following is a service rebroadcast from Sunday morning, August the 10th, 2008. Our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, is speaking. We hope you enjoy this service and it is a blessing. We now unite our Today's sermon is, To Walk on Water, You Must Get Out of the Boat. And if you've noticed, a lot of the hymns we've sang today, This is my Father's world, love lifted me, and turn your eyes upon Jesus, will be a hymn that we'll sing later. And just how true those ring to uh, that sermon title. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all the times in our lives that your love has lifted us. Thank you for all the times in our lives that Each other's love in this congregation has helped to lift someone up. And help us, Lord, to take these tithes and offerings into our community and out into the world and to help to lift someone else up, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
Last Thursday night on Larry King Live, I, I, I knew this was coming in, so I emailed some folks uh, that I know that have a heart for adoption because I think of those folks as some of the best folks I know in the world that will adopt a child that's not theirs and then uh, try to guide that life. And Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife and three of their older kids were on Larry King Live, and they, they were laying, talking about an incident where their five-year-old daughter adopted from China, was killed in a traffic accident in their own house around their driveway. And their 11th grader kid at that time was the one who was driving the car. And uh, the difficulties of life in those areas. And I, since I had a close, close friends in Paducah who lost a, a three-year-old in a swimming pool accident, uh, it really went home to me. And I like Stephen Curtis Chapman so much, his theology, the depth of his text and all the things that he does. And to see, hear and watch this family share their faith on television was just something wonderful. If you get a chance to see that, I hope you would get a chance to do that. He's uh, written part of this, these words that we're singing today when his strength is perfect. We're going to feel very imperfect in the way things are around us a lot of times. But he shares in this way that we don't have to worry about that because God's strength is perfect. But we have to claim into that.
And all God's people said, Amen. And what great truth there is to that, that his strength is perfect. Uh, A question I have, Mary, will you go kayaking again? Good for you. Good for you. I found out just yesterday that uh, the son of one of my college classmates is competing in the Olympics in kayaking. So if you want, I might can hook you up for some lessons or something. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, beginning with verse 22 and reading through 33. And this passage comes immediately after the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fishes. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for you and for me. I want to begin this morning by asking you a very important question, and that question is, have you ever been afraid? I mean, really, really afraid. The knee-shaking, hard-to-catch-your-breath kind of afraid. As I uh, drove by the Elks Club yesterday afternoon, late yesterday afternoon, I noticed that they were hosting a party for the Farm Bureau Insurance Company. And there were lots of people there kind of milling around. But the most prominent feature was this huge yellow hot air balloon with Farm Bureau emblazoned across the side of the balloon. And and apparently they were offering tethered rides up and down on on this hot air balloon to the folks there at the party. Seeing that reminded me of a story that John Ortberg told in a book that he wrote titled, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. And, of course, it's obvious that I stole that title for today's sermon. Uh, He told about a ride that he and his wife took in a hot air balloon. And the balloon party consisted of the Ortbergs, the balloon pilot, and another couple who they didn't know. Well, Ortberg had always assumed that the baskets hanging below the hot air balloons were all about chest high. So 
that would that would be no problem for him. But the basket in this particular balloon only came about up to their knees. So I'm sure that some of you are starting to get the picture here. I mean, one good lurch of the balloon would be enough to throw somebody over the side. So John says that he held on with grim determination and white knuckles. And his wife was even more afraid than he was. She doesn't like heights in the first place. So she kept a death grip on the side and would not look down for any reason whatsoever. Probably imagine how she was feeling. Well, as they were floating along the the currents of air, Ortberg decided that he'd like to get to know this young man who was flying the balloon. And so he he asked the young man how he got started flying hot air balloons. And he knew that they were in trouble when the young man started to speak. (laughs) Dude, he said, it's like this. And Ortberg discovered that this young man had spent really most of his time surfing. But he got into hot air, flying hot air balloons by sheer accident. And I mean that literally. It seems that one day he was driving around in his pickup truck after having too much to drink. And he crashed his truck, badly injuring his brother, And his brother still can't get around very well. So watching hot air balloons gave his brother something to do. By the way, the young pilot added, if things get a little rough on the way down, don't be surprised because I've never flown this particular balloon and I'm not sure how it will handle the descent. Well, Ortberg's wife looked over at him and said with great feeling, you mean to tell me that we are a thousand feet up in the air with an unemployed surfer who started flying hot air balloons because he got drunk, crashed his pickup truck, injured his brother, and has never been in this particular balloon before and doesn't know how to bring it down? And then the wife of the other couple looked at John Ortberg and spoke the only words that either of them spoke throughout the whole trip, She said, you're a pastor. Do something religious. (laughs) So, says Ortberg, I took up an offering. (laughs) I know it's an old joke, but but still, some of us can probably appreciate the feeling of that downright panic that had these balloon passengers that they they must have experienced at this time. Because we've been there, haven't we? Maybe not up in a hot air balloon, but we've been there in times in our lives when we've been really afraid for a variety of reasons. Whether it's a phone call late at night or a visit to the doctor's office. It was a near miss as we drive through a dangerous intersection or... Or just as we've learned this week, the the downsizing of our business and loss of a job. And it comforts us to read about these disciples of Jesus as they experience what it means to be afraid, just like we are afraid. They're not up in a hot air balloon, but their situation is just as perilous. 
They're in a small fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. It's dark. A storm has come up. The boat is is a considerable distance from the land and it's being buffeted by the waves because the wind is against it. And these, even though they're experienced fishermen, they're becoming more and more anxious. Even in the hands of these experienced sailors, a small boat can be treacherous on a frightening sea. And these disciples are frightened. They're afraid for their lives. And then something extraordinary happens, something that shakes them to the core. For you see, Jesus came walking out to them, walking on the water. And so now they're not just afraid, they're terrified. Because now they don't have only only the wind and the weather to contend with, but now they're being tormented by a ghost. And that's when Jesus says to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And folks, let me tell you something. There are no more comforting words in all of the scriptures than those. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And those words are just as much for you and for me as they were for those disciples in that boat. Because you see, fear can be our greatest enemy. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself, said Franklin Roosevelt. And my friends, that is so very, very true. Someone has said that the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's fear. And I would tend to agree with that because fear can limit us and fear can defeat us and fear can can cause us to fail. Because you see, fear paralyzes our lives. It causes us to shrink back from achieving our goals. It it keeps the prospect of meaningful change in our lives at arm's length. And it is fear that haunts many of our marriages and and causes us to stifle our growth and our fulfillment. It is fear that keeps many of us from succeeding in our work. It blinds us to the possibility of our future and it binds us to the safe, sterile lives that we have always lived. Fear produces sleepless nights as we worry about events over which we have no control. And the bottom line is that fear is no good for any of us. Author Zig Ziglar in his book, Better Than Good, tells about the 2002 Winter Olympic Games when 16-year-old Sarah Hughes skated her way to a gold medal in figure skating. Sarah stepped out onto that ice, says Ziegler, not believing that she had any chance of winning any medal. So she just skated with reckless abandon, unconcerned about the audience or the or the judges. She just gave it all she had. And and that sheer abandon that she exhibited expressed the total joy that she was feeling. And she turned in a spectacular performance that led to her receiving the gold medal. Michelle Kwan, on the other hand, skated after Sarah Hughes. She was expected to win the gold medal, and she was a true champion, beloved by 
figure skating fans all over the world. She was the recipient of many, many medals in her career. But after Sarah Hughes gave her flawless performance, Michelle Kwan went out there determined not to make any mistakes. Consequently, she fell and she took home the bronze medal and not the gold. Zig Ziglar contends that while Sarah Hughes was focused on what to do, Michelle was focused on what not to do. And that made all the difference in the world. And folks, that's what fear continually does to us. We are afraid that we will fail, and the very act of fearing causes us to fail. We fear the future, and because of that fear, we sabotage the opportunities that come to us. We fear sickness and pain and death, and the weight of that worry increases the chances that illness will overcome us. And that's why Jesus' words are so important to us. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. But what does that mean? How can we overcome the fear that we face in our lives? Well, I think that one way that we can do that is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. You remember that hilarious scene that's a part of this story. Peter gets out of the boat. He wants to walk out on the water to meet Jesus. And he even steps out of the boat. But he makes the same mistake that we so often make. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He looks down and he sees the waves that are battering up around him and he, he becomes aware of the wind blowing his, his hair all around and he becomes frightened and he begins to sink. And I wonder how many of us have made that same mistake. As many of you are aware, Community Baptist Church is involved in a visioning process right now looking to the future of what the ministry of our church will be like. And, and any time a person or an organization looks into the future, it can be frightening. It can be a frightening experience because we don't know what the future will hold. We can only step out of the boat and walk into the future with faith. A number of our young people in just a few weeks will be stepping out of the boat and walking into the unknown as they go off to college for the first time. Quite frankly, that can be frightening. Will I fit in? Will I make friends? Will I be able to cut it academically? What if I hate it? And Jesus comes along and says, take comfort. It is I. Don't be afraid. A young couple makes preparations for marriage. Invitations are are ordered, patterns are picked out, and the church is reserved. But the, the closer the day gets, the more exciting and yet frightening it becomes. Because after all, till death do us part's a long time. And what if it is poorer instead of richer? Or sickness instead of health? And Jesus comes along and says, take comfort, it is I. Don't be afraid. And so this young couple steps out of the boat with faith and enters into their future together. And here 
here is our church looking to the future, visioning. And for some of you, that's frightening. Some of you may be thinking, I like the way it is now. (laughs) Why do we have to figure out the future? Let's just live one day at a time. And and the reason for this trepidation is we know that looking into the future may require looking at change. And change can be frightening. Or if we look into the future while at the same time looking into the face of Jesus, it can be exciting. Because if we do that, we look into the future with the faith that Christ is with us every step of the way. And the future with Christ at our side is indeed bright. And so we take comfort in the words of Jesus. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Fact is, we can focus on our fear or we can focus on our faith. And if we focus on our fear, it will only distract us and ultimately cause us to fail. But if we focus on our faith, it will cause us to succeed in ways that are beyond our our wildest dreams. And so here's the key to facing the frightening times of our lives. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. And then move forward. Then move forward. That's the next step in dealing with our fears. Move forward. When we say keep your eyes on Jesus, we are not talking about a passive kind of experience. The Christian faith has very little to do with simply sitting back and gazing and waiting and wishing. The Christian faith at its very best is a call to adventure. It is a call to get out of the boat and to walk on the water. Folks, our roots are in the Old Testament, and we, we see a people there who were brought into existence by a command to Abraham to leave the country which he was born in and to go to a country that he didn't even, he didn't even know. He didn't even know where he was going. He asked God, where are you sending me? He said, you'll know when you get there. That's scary. That's scary. And then from Palestine... That the little tribe of Hebrews wandered down to Egypt and, and then finally they returned to Palestine. And, and we are told that Abraham was justified by his faith. But I want you to notice that Abraham's faith was not static. It was not passive. It was active. It was on the go. It was moving. It was changing. And make no mistake about it, when Jesus told those early disciples to fear not, he was not telling them to seek safety and security. Rather, what he was telling them was to move forward, but always to trust in him. Years ago, I love the comic strip B.C. It's a great comic strip. Years ago, the comic strip B.C., which is said in the cavemen days, had its hero, B.C., sitting there in his fur loincloth opening a box. And there's a letter in the box that says, Congratulations, you have just purchased the world's finest fire-starting kit. And the next picture shows him reading the letter, reading on in the letter. It says, The flint is of the finest stone imported from the Orient. 
Your striker has been handcrafted by old world craftsmen. The kindling has been carefully selected by screened lumberjacks. Your kit was packaged and inspected by little old grannies working in a dust free environment. And your fire starting kit dealer has sworn an oath of devotion to its customers. Well, the next picture shows B.C. rubbing two sticks together in time-honored fashion, trying to start a fire. And one of the cave women came up and said, what's with the sticks? Where's your new fire starting kit? And B.C. looks up and says to her, I built a shrine around it. You know something? The temptation is great to say, oh, yes, I trust in Jesus But then we sit back passively and in our little comfort zone with a shrine surrounding our faith experience and we never put it to use. We never test it. But my friends, it is another thing altogether to step out of the boat, to attempt to walk on the water. To attempt the thing that we have never attempted before in the name of Jesus Christ, because that requires us to look beyond our fear to our faith. And that's true for individuals and for churches. For you see, churches that reach people today are churches that are willing to take risks for Jesus. Churches that reach people today are churches that attempt to reach people whom other churches shy away from. They are churches that are not willing to build a little shrine around their faith, but rather they are willing to to take it out and to put it to use. So keep your eyes on Jesus and do not be afraid to get out of the boat and walk on the water. That's the message from Matthew today. And you know something? I believe that's probably why Jesus loved Simon Peter so much. Not so much because of his rashness, but because of his unbridled boldness. Folks, don't be afraid to live. Because there is one who knows your situation and can help you through it, no matter how troubling or how terrifying it may be. And here's the most beautiful thing of all. Because you see, as we learn and we practice this, and we learn to focus on Christ and to keep moving forward into the face of our fears, when we do this, fear becomes less of a problem. And you know why? It's because we learned we learned to trust in God. And when we can trust in God, We can put the fears aside. Jill Briscoe tells about a little girl on a train in England. All the other passengers were being entertained by this young, friendly young girl and who seemed quite at home with everybody on the train. As a matter of fact, people were beginning to wonder just who this little girl's parents were because she seemed to be equally at home with everybody in the train. And then the train gave a a shrill whistle and entered into a long, dark tunnel. And the little girl suddenly became anxious and she ran down the aisle and threw herself into the arms of a young man sitting in the back of the car. People smiled. Now they knew to whom this little child belonged. She was happy and safe in her father's arms and she was still in the tunnel, 
It was still dark outside. They were still in the darkness there. Nothing had changed outside of her, but everything had changed on her inside because she was in the arms of her father. As we look at the gospel story, and perhaps even as we look at our own lives, it seems that the disciples of Jesus entered into one dark tunnel after another. And like Simon Peter, there were times when each of them had the occasion to cry out, Lord, save me. And also like Peter, they felt Christ reach out, reach out his hand and catch them. And to bring them in. And so can we. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to walk out onto the water. Because if you do, your, your faith will be rewarded. Because God is with us every step of the way. Take courage. It is I. Have no fear. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 320. One I think that uh, is very appropriate and I'm sure was handpicked for this, this topic. And that is to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And that is the key, no matter what we're facing in our lives, that we look to Jesus who can who can dispel the fears in our lives, who can give us the strength just to take another step, whether it's on water or solid ground, just to take another step. Because sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to do because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. But Jesus can do that for you if we put our faith there. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you know the fear that maybe there's something going on in your life that's causing a lot of fear and, and you need this faith that Christ can offer. And we invite you to make that commitment to Christ today. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church as we seek to be the people of God in this community, in this, in this place. Or perhaps you just need a, a, a time of prayer. A time of giving up to God the things that you're afraid of and to say, help me, Lord, save me, like Peter did. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come as we sing together 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Would you come?
Thank you. Please be seated. By the way, our worship service has ended. (laughs) And now we're going to get about the business of doing the survey um, that we talked about uh, a little earlier. Uh, We're I I heard about this this church census um, uh, actually through email. Some people emailed me some things about this um, quite a few months ago. And I thought, well, you know, that sounds pretty interesting. That sounds like an interest. Actually, it may have been even more than a year ago. I thought that might be something that's really helpful for us to do, and I could see a lot of benefit coming from this. This is a survey, they call it a church census. It's sponsored by Baylor, the Baylor School of Social Work. But when I heard about it, I found out how much it cost, and I thought, well, that's too expensive. Um, it, 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 it costs, the regular cost on this is $500 just to do the survey, plus an extra $1 for every survey that that we turn in. Um, so I just kind of put that on the back burner. And then I got another email that said that there is a grant that has been offered by Eli Lilly through Kentucky, uh, through Cooperative Baptist Fellowship that will cover that cost of the $500 plus the $1 for every survey did, uh, that we turn in. And so I said, hmm. That makes things a little more appealing. And so I got in contact with Rick Bennett at uh, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And I said, Rick, how do we do this? How do we get this ball rolling? He said, you already have. You just did. And uh, so he contacted the people at Baylor and said that we were interested in this. And uh, I'm not sure if it was Rick or Baylor who put us in touch with Lynn Smith, uh, who is here to facilitate our taking this census. Uh, Lynn is a fellow Kentuckian. She is a pastor of a church. Uh, I'm not sure how you got away today, but uh, we're glad that you did. Uh, She is very active in Kentucky Baptist Fellowship leadership, and now she is our mentor for today as she leads us through this process of, uh, of taking this census. So Lynn, come and tell us what we need to do. How I got here today uh, from my church is that they're a very generous bunch of people and they say, you know what, we're going to let you go as long as when you come back, you bring us something you learned from the other congregation. And I have learned quite a few things today. And so I appreciate them very much. And I will tell you, as I always tell them, I have been blessed to worship with you today. Thank you for participating in the survey today, as Pastor Tim said Um, This is uh, designed by Diana Garland.